I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 For you are worthy of our praise. Y'all act like y'all was rest for trust today. Praise God, praise God, and welcome, welcome, welcome this morning to this church gathered here at Forest Baptist. Amen. Hey, what, what, got something for us. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me see. Let's see if this works for y'all. Welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. Y'all remember that? Welcome back, 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 welcome, welcome, welcome back, y'all. What a privilege and honor it is to be back in the house of the Lord together uh, with some of those restrictions being removed, um, a new season. And I am excited about this new season that the Lord has in store for us. I am so excited, which is why some of that we're going to discuss even on today, man. I'm so grateful to our entire COVID response team that did such an awesome job. Can we please thank them? <laughs> Kept us safe, walked in wisdom. Um, they were empowered to do what was necessary in order to keep this body safe and secure in the midst of this pandemic. And don't forget, y'all, we ain't really up out of the pandemic yet. So don't forget, there's still some precautions we need to take place. So as you see, there were some precautions as you were coming in. But it's so good to see your smiling faces. Amen, amen. So I'm grateful to... Uh, our sound team, our media team. I'm grateful to our worship team today. Uh, I don't know what got in Rodney today. He was, he was like Pentabaptist up in here. <laughs> Amen. Yes, Lord. And if you would, 
grab your copy of God's Word. Turn with me to Matthew, the ninth chapter. Matthew, the ninth chapter. And this is a text that was put into a sermon series that we just kind of looked over the overview of chapters 8 and 9. But I had the awesome privilege of preaching this text in particular at a missions and evangelism conference. And I just thought it was a, a, a right now word for us as a church. So Matthew, the ninth chapter, I believe the Lord has a timely word for us, beginning with the 35th verse, and we'll read all the way down to 10, verse 1. So if you are able, in honor of the reading of God's word, please stand with us today. I thank those who are still viewing online. Uh, may the Lord continue to bless you and keep you. And even as we are engaged here, may you be engaged with us uh, at home. So Matthew, the ninth chapter, beginning with the 35th verse, this is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ this morning. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the kingdom of heaven and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that he will raise up laborers to go out into his harvest. 10.1. And he called his 12 disciples to him and, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated today. I just want to place a tag upon this morning's text. How missions meets the moment of the day. How missions meets the moment of the day. Why don't you pray with me? Father God, thank you for allowing us to come once again to your house of worship, to worship with the church, your people. And Father, even as we have entered right now and you have uh, uh, been uh, uh, renewing and reviving and, 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 and recreating with us, within us, a greater view of you, I pray that you would take your word and just expand that even further. Thank you for the privilege to preach and teach your word. I pray that you would indeed give us eyes to hear, eyes to see and ears to hear, and a heart that is ready to receive your word with joy and gladness. Father, we ask that you would come and have your way. In the precious name of Jesus the Christ, we do pray and all of God's people said together, amen, amen. You know, this past week, I don't know if you even noticed but you had the opportunity to, to witness greatness on display. Well, what do I mean? Well, this past week, U.S. US gymnast Simone Biles won her seventh in a row. 
Well, it was a couple years she was off for her seventh United States gymnastic competition. She won a championship seven times. And not only that, she has proven herself to be the GOAT when it comes to gymnastics, the greatest of all times. And as a matter of fact, she is, is probably, if not one of the, but the greatest athletes of all time. You, have you seen some of the things that she does that it just makes it look easy? That's how you know when someone's really good at something. Because when you look at it, you actually think you could do that too. Like, man, that look easy. I could probably do a backhand spring and break all my, my ankles and sprain something, but she just makes it look so easy. The, the woman has four moves named after her. It's like the Biles, the Biles 2, the Biles 3, and the Biles 4, like different moves actually named after her because she was the first to do them. Can't nobody else compare but one of the things that makes Simone Biles so successful is her ability, her incredible ability to meet the moment. Because when it comes to gymnastics, you only got one shot, really, to perform to your highest uh, potential, to do your very best, and then they give you a score, and, and then it's based upon how everyone else scores. But, but you have to be ready to meet the moment. And when I say meet the moment, what I'm talking about is the ability to rise to the occasion in the face of challenges. Simone Biles has the incredible ability to meet the moment through her awareness. She is aware of what's going on, the competitors, the type of event, uh, where she needs to start, uh, who, who, who the judges may be, because it seems like the judges be trying to hate on her too, You trying to hate on greatness. But she's aware of the moment, right? But not only is she aware of the moment, she's present in the moment. She is completely focused on what is in front of her at that time. She's not worried about the next event because she needs to be focused on the current event. And beloved, if I just kind of just steal that for a moment, sometimes we're so worried about what's coming that we're missing what's going on right now. There's a presentness that helps her to meet the moment. But then thirdly, what, what allows her to actually get the scores that she receives is her ability to perform in that moment. So all the coaching is done. All the practice and rehearsal is over. And it's time for her to actually perform, to do what she has been preparing to do. She doesn't just read about gymnastics at home. She doesn't just watch YouTube videos on gymnastics at home. She doesn't just talk to her friends about gymnastics at home. But there's a point in her life where she actually gets up off the couch, up out of the bed, shows up at the gymnasium, and performs her gymnastic routine. I'm talking to somebody in here. It is time for her to actually perform in order to meet the moment. Beloved, these past 15 months have been crazy. It's been filled with challenges, chaos, and confusion, questions uh, of whether to mask or not to mask, questions of whether to vaccinate or uh, not to vaccinate, racial violence and hate crimes and mass shootings. 
and attempt to overthrow the U.S. government. It's been crazy. And now we've entered into a new normal. See, we talked about this uh, uh, last year, how many would want to go back to normal, but I submit to you, there it, that, that normal is gone. There is a new normal that we have to, to enter into now. But with that new normal comes new opportunities. And we have new opportunities to realize if we truly believe and trust in the Lord. Because it's in the face of all these challenges as the church, we now have the opportunity to meet the moment of the day. We can meet the moment. Will we rise to the occasion or will we complacently keep the status quo? Beloved, I believe that the Lord does not want us to be people who just keep the status quo. When I think back in 1 Chronicles, the 12th chapter, when uh, all of Israel were gathering to uh, Hebron in order to hand, the text says, to hand the kingdom of Saul over to David, it lists those who showed up. And in that list, it says, and the men of Issachar, who, who understood the times and knew what Israel should do, they was there. And what that is telling us that the men of Issachar, they knew that the, that the new king had come. They knew that Saul was on his way out. A new normal was about to be established, and they wanted to be on the right side of it. So, beloved, the Lord is giving us the opportunity to realize a new normal when it comes to Christian faithfulness. When it comes to being part of the church, when we realize that we are the church and not just part of the church. The time is now for us to intentionally engage with the culture, with the gospel. How will we meet this moment? We do what all faithful Christians do. We look to and we, we look to Jesus and to his example. Here in the text, Matthew the ninth chapter, Jesus is uh, meeting the moment by stepping into a real moment of real brokenness, meeting the real needs of people. Jesus is not just on the outside kind of quarterback, uh, uh, armchair quarterbacking, saying what people should do. He's actually in the midst of it, making something happen. Jesus doesn't remain on the sidelines. Jesus doesn't shy away. Jesus doesn't remain silent in that moment of the day. But Jesus steps into it. And if we are uh, honest about it, isn't that what God has been doing all along, meeting the moment with himself? Because whenever and wherever there is sin and suffering, God has always answered the issue with missions. How do we know this? Uh, when we think about missions, the, uh, the means of making the name of the Lord known. That's what mission simply is, to make the name of the Lord known. 
In Genesis 3, we see this takes place as uh, Adam and Eve are in the garden in a sinless existence, but yet they disobey God's command, fall into sin. And as they are in the midst of their sin, in the midst of their brokenness, in the midst of a situation that could be uh, in disrepair, God says, but I will send my seed. And he will crush the head of Satan. Jesus is meeting that moment of sin uh, by saying that the I am will say. He is going to bring forth Jesus Christ in order to rescue them from their sin. And we can look over one chapter in Genesis 4 when Cain raises up himself up against Abel and kills Abel. And the, the, the godly line of humanity is pl placed in danger. But in verse 26, it tells us that God allowed Eve to have another son named Seth and it was there after he comes in that at that point people began to call upon the name of the Lord. He's meeting that moment with missions. In Genesis 12 in, in the midst of a corrupt world, uh, God calls out to Abram and says I'm going to take you out of your idolatry and take you out of your paganism and take you out of your unbelief. I'm going to reveal my name to you. I'm going to reveal myself to you and not only will I reveal myself to you but after I show you myself I want you to go out and show other people who I am. He is meeting the moment with missions. The entire book of Exodus is a, is a book about missions because God comes in the midst of Pharaoh. Pharaoh is talking about who is this God, but what does God say? I'm going to send plague after plague after plague, and they shall know the name of the Lord. He's meeting that moment with missions. The declaration of his name. This is what God is doing then, and this is what God is doing now, because God's answer to sin and suffering is missions. This is why we need, we the church need a, a renewed commitment today in order to meet the moment. Our big idea is simply that Jesus meets the moment of the day with a demonstration and deployment of missions, and so should we. Firstly, Jesus meets the moment of the day with a demonstration of missions. Here in verse 35, Jesus is going throughout the cities, and beginning in the 8th and ninth chapter, we see he is moving in his kingdom authority. He is moving throughout the cities in Galilee, demonstrating that he is the Messiah, that he is the king of the kingdom that is to come. And he is healing and he is preaching and teaching. He is doing all these things and he's moving throughout all the cities and villages. But I like how the text says he's moving through all the cities and villages because what that is saying to me is that there's no place that's out of God's reach. That Jesus is willing to go to the highways and the byways. Jesus is, is willing to go to the, the, the west side and the east side. Jesus was willing to go to the north side and the south side. It doesn't matter who was actually living there. Jesus is willing to meet them where they were. And when we're thinking about missions, we can't be caught up in who over there, who lived there, and, and what they do. It's all about going with the, the message of the good news of Jesus Christ to all we come in contact with. Jesus is saying that, that no one is off limits. No one is too corrupt. No one is too broken. No one is too lowly. No one is too far away for Jesus to redeem. He didn't just come to the, 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 the high-level socioeconomic places of the city. He, he went to the, 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 the rich places and the, the, the gutter places. He went to the, uh, the wealthy places and the poor places. Jesus was going everywhere in order that he may redeem all. 
But as he's going, he's carrying out his threefold mission, right? He's what? He's teaching, he's preaching, and he's healing. Everywhere Jesus went to make the kingdom known, he was teaching, he was preaching, and he was healing, or we could say serving. Teaching, preaching, and serving. The gospel is, is being made known, is being made uh, to be understood, but also the gospel is being demonstrated. Because what Jesus is doing here is, is what could be called incarnational ministry. It's the type of ministry where Jesus himself is being seen, felt, heard, and demonstrated. It's not just the type of, uh, the, the type of help that we see in James where he says, are you wrong if you just say, folks, I'll pray for you and not really help them in need. This incarnational ministry mean, meant that Jesus' divine feet had to get dirty on them dusty roads. And Jesus had to actually touch some unseemly people. And Jesus had to be around folks who really didn't have a good reputation. And Jesus had to minister to people who couldn't put 20 back in their pocket when he wastes gas on them. Jesus is going to everybody no matter what. And this is the example of how we are to make the name of the Lord known and to meet the moment. This is the task of the church. The people of God are to come together and do what? Teach, preach, and serve. Teach, preach, and serve. See, but I'm going to rephrase that because some of y'all heard it this way. The job of Forest Baptist Church, the building, and this leadership is to teach preach and to serve but what God is reminding us that the church is just an edifice that we gather in but the church is the people of God so if Jesus is a demonstration of teaching preaching and serving then all who claim to be his disciples should be walking around doing what teaching preaching and serving because we are the church but there's something to this manner of missions that's a little deeper because in verse 36, Jesus does something that is special. Because in verse 36, he says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. In verse 36, we see Jesus is not just going through the motions of preaching, teaching, and serving, but he actually is paying attention to the people that need to be served. And just as Jesus was standing, he would, he would have been able, I saw you. I saw you coming out your, your hut. I saw you coming out her house, and she's not your wife. I saw you coming out the club. I, I saw you coming out the gut. I, I, I saw where you was coming, but I see you. And because I see you, I can teach, preach, and serve you. And I'm so glad that God sits high and he looks low. Do you know what that really means? Because we say it a lot. Of, he sits high and looks low. What does that really mean? That means God can oversee all of his creation. And because he's able to oversee all things, he's able to care for all people. And all things. And Jesus sees them and he sees them and that their oppression is real. He says they are harassed and helpless, right? These people are oppressed. They're oppressed spiritually by the Pharisees, who would have been like the religious right, fundamentalists, legalists. 
the Sadducees, they would have been like the religious left, right? Because as they were they caught up in worldly power. But, but, but whether they was on the right or left, they were still oppressing God's people. Jesus sees them in their spiritual oppression, but Jesus saw them in their physical oppression. Because he saw the fact that the Romans had came and occupied their land and, 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 and the Romans had came and could basically treat them however they wanted to treat them and was, and was able to make them do things that they didn't want to do. But not only the Romans, but the Herodians, those who came in to, to establish their rule and to take taxes and to give it to Rome and they were oppressed financially. They, they had a tax system where the billionaires and millionaires really wasn't paying their share. Jesus is stepping into real life. He sees their spiritual oppression, their physical oppression. And what does he do? He, as he sees their oppression, Jesus sympathizes with them. He says that he had compassion on them. For they are harassed and helpless. You know, that word compassion, we don't have a lot of that going around these days. But that word compassion means to have a, a deep sense of sympathy. Affection. Or we can call it like incarnational empathy. The type of empathy that doesn't just see your situation from far away and say, hey, I hope you're good, I pray for you, but the type of empathy that says, come here, let me hold your hand as you walk through this. Can I hold you up? Do you need me to carry you? And that's the type of sympathy that Jesus has. He has compassion for this people. He didn't look at the people and say, well, they should have known better. They shouldn't let the Romans come in. Jesus didn't look at the people and say, well, look at them. They just, they, they just ghetto. Jesus didn't come in and look at them and say, they should just pull themselves up by their own boot, bootstraps. They didn't, they, Jesus doesn't look at them and says, well, you, you should just work harder. Jesus steps in with a heart filled and full, full of compassion. And beloved, as we look out over the brokenness of this world, do we see people that discuss us or do we see people in desperate need of Jesus? I say it over and over again. Why would we expect an unbeliever to have a biblical worldview? <laughs> why, why do I expect the world to act like they know Jesus when they don't know Jesus? That is why the church has to be a beacon and light of hope. That's why the church has to be different because we got to show that there's actually another option. You ain't got to be off the hook and you don't got to be a fundamentalist. You can just love Jesus and serve others, right? Oh, my bad. Isn't that the two commandments? Love God and love neighbor. But not only does Jesus meet the moment with the demonstration of missions, Jesus meets the moment of the day with the deployment of missions because Jesus doesn't just say something, he does something. Jesus doesn't just talk about it. He shows us how to be about it. In verse 37, as a direct result of Jesus' compassion, he mobilizes his disciples for action. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, 
but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors. What, what Jesus is doing now, he is saying that we are in need of manpower for, this, for missions. We need people who will submit themselves to the Lord and his guidance and, and be obedient to the call to go ye therefore and make disciples. See, it's one thing to call yourself a, a disciple. It's another thing to be called a laborer. Jesus wants people who will work for him in, in teaching, <laughs> preaching, and serving others. But what I like about this, too, is what Jesus is doing and by saying that the laborers, uh, that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, the fact that this mission is actually impossible. It's just too, it's too much brokenness. It's too much out there. And, and you, you're going to need more help. So, so what Jesus is saying, not only is this situation numerical, but it's, it's a situation of impossibility. And that's why he says in verse 38, therefore. Therefore, because it's impossible, because it's too many, and because it ain't enough people, therefore, pray earnestly. Jesus says not only do you need manpower, you need to be empowered. And the way that we are empowered is through prayer. Because when we say, Lord, help us to serve you and this world. Lord, help us to be mission-minded. What we're saying is, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I can't do this by myself. I need you. Isn't that what prayer is? Prayer is not just a checklist of what you need from Jesus. Prayer is actually the, 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 the act of dependence upon Jesus. Because if, if you get down on your knees and pray, then you are saying, Lord, can't nobody else help me? Like the song, can't nobody do me like Jesus. Lord, I need you to step in with your power to help me right now. And I need you. See, if we don't pray, what we're saying is, I don't need, I don't need, I don't need Jesus to help me. I got this. But prayer is a demonstration of dependence, right? And then lastly, as Jesus had, as he sees the people and sympathizes with the people, but in, in 10 and 1, he actually sins for his people. And he called the 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast out, cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Jesus is telling his disciples, Don't just preach the gospel. You got to be the gospel. Don't just go into their into they hood and tell them everything that they're doing wrong. You got to get some of that oppression up off their back so they can even hear you in the first place. And Jesus, as he is going through, he calls his disciples to himself and he gives them, him, he gives them authority to deliver them from demonic possession and oppression. And to, and, and to heal them from diseases and affliction. Jesus is saying, I want them to experience me. I want them to see me in the fact that I can, uh, not only will I give them spiritual wholeness, but I will rearrange their lives too. 
Jesus offers the people both eternal and temporal hope. Jesus, in his word, he doesn't just give us hope for tomorrow. It's not just we hope for heaven. He gives us hope for today. That we may have what? Life. And that more abundantly. He's not talking about you're going to walk around with big bags of cash in your pocket. He's talking about you're able to experience the joy that only comes from him. You'll be able to experience the peace that only comes from him. You'll be able to experience victory that only comes from here. You walk into the door like, ain't no way I should be here, but God made a way that I'm here anyway. I shouldn't have a seat at this table, but God said I should have a seat at the I, I shouldn't have this job. I shouldn't have this relationship. My children should, shouldn't be alive and well, but God was the one who opened up the favor for me. Does the gospel you speak have both temporal and eternal hope empowered by Jesus? Do you just tell people they need to do better? Or you just need to do better? Or do you say you really need to know Jesus? Because when you know Jesus, then you're empowered not to just do better, but to live victoriously. Now, I, 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 I like what, what they say, uh, uh, you'll be able to live a unfettered life, chains broken, strongholds cast down, because deliverance doesn't come from telling people to do better. Deliverance comes from come and know my Jesus, because he's the one saying, if I, if I be lifted up, I would draw all men unto me. See, see, in that text, we, it's two ways. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw. Yes, we, we preach the cross and we preach Jesus Christ crucified and in the sense that now it's not just that we magnify him and we lift up his praises that people will come to him, but he's saying the fact that they will hang me high, the fact that they will stretch me wide, the fact that I will have a crown of thorns on my head, the fact that I will be pierced in the side, the fact that I will cry out and say, it is finished, and, and the fact that they will lay him in a bald man's tomb, but the fact that he gets up on the third day with all power in his hand, he is saying, if I be lifted up for the crucifixion, then I'm going to make a way out of no way. I'm going to give hope to the hopeless. I'm going to give life to the lifeless, I will be able to deliver and set the captives free. Because he says, whom, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. In a world filled with the harassed and helpless, how has your teaching, preaching, and serving impacted the life of others? In a world filled with the harassed and helpless, how has the call to missions impacted your own life? In a world filled with the harassed and helpless, has your hope been placed in men and policy, or has your faith and hope been placed in missions, the good news of the gospel? You know, as a church, we must meet the moment of today with boldness, with courage, and with compassion. But we will never meet the moment unless we have been empowered by Jesus. We need Jesus to make the impossible 
possible. We need Jesus to give us hearts of compassion and to remove hearts of complacency. We need Jesus to motivate us to missions. Wasn't it missions that motivated Jesus to come and rescue us in the first place? Wasn't it missions that caused him to lay down his glory, Philippians 2, and come down amongst us and to dwell and to live the life that we could not live and to die the death that we deserve? Wasn't it missions that came and rescued you out of that gutter? I, I don't know where you came from. You know where you've been. You know what your hands done touched. You know where your feet done walked. Uh, 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 but praise God that it was his missing mindset that came and got a, a wretch like me. That's why I love to sing the song, Amazing Grace, that saved a wretch like me. See, see that just to say the word wretched means that I wasn't nobody, and, but, but he came and got me anyway. Not because of me, but in spite of me. Oh, what joy, what favor, what mercy, what grace. If they was to march you up in the court, if, if, if police officers came in here right now and marched you up in the court of law, you think, oh, man, they done, they done caught up with me. I, I, I know I had that warrant. I mean, I, you know, this was, it was a long time ago. But when Jesus comes and saves you, he, he says the Father in heaven, because of his blood, he will clothe his children with, with robes, white robes of righteousness, and that he will cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. That means that God ain't going to try to hold your sins over your head like your homeboy does. He's saying that when I forget it, that means it's gone because not what you said, but because of what my son has accomplished on your behalf. We must take that message of hope and deliverance to the harassed and hopeless right now. And that's why Jesus is calling us as a church to go ye therefore and make disciples. My only question today is, will you go? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the majesty of Christ and the gloriousness of the cross. Father, thank you that it was your mission to come and get sinners and messed up people like ourselves. But Father, I pray that you would raise up this church, that we would step into this new normal and meet the moment of today with mission. Father, I pray that you would give us the opportunity and privilege to have gospel conversations. Father, I pray, I pray that you would loose, loose steel tongues and give courage to fearful hearts. Father, I pray that you would do something in our hearts so amazing that even if we wanted to keep it to ourselves, that we wouldn't even be able to keep it to ourselves. Oh, Lord, like the songwriter says, I said I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I just couldn't keep it to it. Father, give us that type of mindset, that type of heart where people must hear about you from us because we see that they are harassed and helpless. So, Father, we pray that you will be glorified in this place today. In Jesus' name we do pray. God's people said together, amen.